0: Uh, This evening is our last evening meeting here at Oak Brook Community Church. And uh, I wanted to take a minute to thank so much to Mark Turner, the pastor at Oak Brook Community Church. Um, As we've been going through Matthew talking about the kingdom of God, and as we continue to go through Matthew of the kingdom of God is like... Uh, We're going to take a couple minutes at the end of the service to introduce you to Justin Thompson, who is the uh, elder at North Trident Baptist Church where we are going. Um, And they're here this evening, very excited to have. But tonight, um, as we were... Go ahead, that's fine. Uh, It's nice having the elementary in here because you get a lot more clapping as you're preaching too, Um, along with, please stop. Uh, But tonight... As we were, <laughs> that's not actually from the kids. As we were discussing this service in our staff meeting several weeks ago, talking about um, it being so special, and if you're unaware, it has been a rough year uh, for our leadership um, and some of you, people who have helped out in so many different ways, but it's been very, uh, just seems like one thing after another. And earlier this evening when we were first meeting and praying, uh, Will was praying and he said, thank you so much for Oak Brook Community Church, Mark Turner, for being a haven that we needed. And I couldn't think of a better way to say what the relationship with Mark has been. Um, Mark has pastored here for over 20 years and has just been such a good friend. And if you're unaware, we were at a place where we didn't know where we were going to meet. And yes, that has become somewhat of a pattern for us. But we didn't know where we were going to meet, and um, Pastor Mike Seaver, who I think you'll meet next week, he said, well, reach out to Mark Turner and sent me his number, and I waited weeks, and I was like, okay, we're out of options. I'll text this guy I've never met before. Mark called me. We talked for an hour and a half. I met him here this afternoon, and he goes, yeah, I'll talk to the elders, but I don't think it's a problem for you guys to meet here, and that's how we ended up here, and it's just been such a wonderful friendship, Uh, been a great mentor, just an incredible friend, and I want to make it very clear that this does not conclude that relationship. It is still just the beginning. It was very sad when we realized that—I'm uh, the only pastor that says the word sad, talking about their church growing—but it was sad to realize we wouldn't fit at their location next. Um, both of us were sad, but just to have a friend like Mark and also not know what is next and having to rely on God again— but I want you to know uh, how much Mark has meant to not just me, but all the staff and so many people here as just a very dear friend. I'm so excited for the word that God has given him tonight. So please give a very warm welcome to Pastor Mark Turner.
1: Well, it has been a two way street. We as Oakbrook have been very blessed by having you guys here. Uh, we so appreciate all of the networking and the blessing and the encouragement you've given to our congregation. So it's exciting when gospel-based churches work together. Uh, You know, sometimes as those who actually believe the gospel, not the American church out there, but those who believe the gospel, we kind of pull into our shell because there's so many who don't. And I think Rob hit it well. He and I somehow just as brothers in Christ have hit it off, and we just enjoy that relationship. So uh, our last week was Sunday last. Tomorrow we will be worshiping down at the Ashley River Park. And uh, so we're going outside now. So <laughs> we're, see, you, you're you rubbing off on us. And, 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 you know, we're the frozen chosen Presbyterians who actually believe the Bible, so that's kind of funny that we're going outside and... Worshipping, and um, one day we'll tell you the wonderful story of how God opened the door up there. The county was going to stop us from worshiping there, but God is bigger than they. Are. So praise God. <laughs> so well, tonight I've been asked. Uh, it was funny when Rob asked. I said, "Well, I said the things are really busy right now." And he said, "Well, Matthew chapter eight, um, Jesus calms the storm. If you look in your Bibles, you know that little uninspired heading." That's the passage. I said, well, I'm just finishing out the book of Mark. And in the book of Mark, I covered chapter 4. And that's the same passage. And it's almost the same passage with just some variations of wording. And in fact, I'm actually going to point you at times to Mark's wording from Matthew's wording. Because Mark, he's a man of few words. But once in a while, he pulls back the veil a little bit more, and he does tonight. So we'll have both of those. So if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, and yes, those phone things work great. I use them all the time. So pull out your Word of God. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 23, 23 through 27. So hear the Word of the Lord. And when he got into the boat, that's Jesus. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let's stop for a moment and ask God's Holy Spirit to guide us as we come to his word and hear from the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, what a joy and a privilege to gather here tonight to lift our voices to you, the Creator, the Redeemer, the Exalted One. We ask now that you will speak back to us through the power of your word. Father, you inspired your servant to write these words. You have preserved them throughout all generations so that we have them here tonight, that we can read and learn. And so we ask that you will meet with us, that you will exhort us as needed, you will encourage us as needed, and you will strengthen us as needed. So meet with us now, Lord. We pray these things in your son's glorious and precious name. Amen. Now, you've been walking through the book of Matthew. I have just finished the book of Mark in my body, and we are 59 weeks in the book of Mark. So, if you think that Rob and Will, they're slow, no, you've got good pastors who are walking you exegetically, verse by verse, through God's Word. Be thankful. Praise the Lord that you have pastors who love you enough to teach the total counsel of God. Now, Will last week uh, covered the passage that's entitled in your Bibles, The Cost of Following Jesus. And basically, he talked to you about the gist was not trying to earn favor from your God or favor from Jesus. Because Jesus was very adamant with those who were seeking to follow him, the scribes. And then he says, this is going to be costly. And here was the thing, and, and here's what I want to remind you of. We are gospel believing believers. And here's the deal your work, your efforts, they don't count much. Oh, actually, they count for nothing. It's the reality of the gospel, and that's what Will brought through. I listened to his message and heard what he said. He says, Never, ever forget the gospel. You are loved. Why? Not because you opened your Bible and read it this morning. Not because you helped the little old lady get up the stairs tonight. Not because you walked down an aisle and said a sinner's prayer. You were loved because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He was crucified. He took the entire wrath of your sins upon him at the cross. And then he came up out of the grave. And so as the King English says in Ephesians six, you are accepted in the Beloved. And don't you ever forget that. And that's what Will came back to remind you that you are loved because of what Jesus has done. And we need to respond how? A heart of gratitude. And that was a great application of that passage. As believers. Yeah, the gospel is awesome and don't ever forget that. But sometimes we fall into that lie. You need to read. You need to do this and do that. Now, Jesus did all that. Out of gratitude. You now get to read your Bible. You get to minister to others. You get to show the love of Christ to others. And that's the gospel. Let's never forget that. And that's why I love working with Hope Church, because you guys are preaching the gospel. And you are blessed to have that. And then Rob has been overarching the whole book of Matthew, been looking at three themes. One, Jesus is Lord. He's been pushing that again and again. That's a theme that Matthew brings forth. Second, God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Some of y'all watch that uh, Stranger Things. I don't really recommend that, but, you know, anyhow, we do. But there's that upside-down world where everything is really weird, okay? Well, that's sort of like God's kingdom. What you think about God's kingdom, you probably got it wrong because God's economy is totally different. And never forget that. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher and my ways are better. Prophet Isaiah reminded us of that reality. And let's remember that God's kingdom is different. I mean, come on, you don't have to earn your way to get favor from God. Jesus did all that for you. That's an upside-down kingdom. And Matthew is showing you that again and again and again. And then lastly, the third thing that they've been stressing to you guys is, Jesus is the answer. Yeah, it's that church thing, you know? They talk about the little furry animal with the tail and eats nuts, and the little girl goes, I think it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm pretty sure the answer is Jesus. Well, yes, Jesus is always the answer for us when we go through life. Don't ever forget that. And so as we come to tonight's text, Jesus calms the storm in Matthew 8.23. This is not a parable, it's a narrative. Just basically telling here's the facts, and then you're left to, what do I learn from this? And that's what we want to do tonight. It has been placed by Matthew to help us understand who Jesus Christ is. And that's really an ultimate question. Here's the bottom line. In life, there are some ultimate questions. Who's God? Who is Jesus? You should be asking that question all the time because your answer to that affects how you live each and every day. You know, it's easy. Tonight we're here worshiping God and I exalt thee and, you know, we can get it all into the emotional mood. But the question is, is we have to answer who is God. The idea of worship is take time out, stop and remember that you have been created by the creator of the universe. You have been given life and you have been redeemed. God commands us a one in seven pattern. Yeah, y'all do it on Saturday nights. We do it on Sunday mornings. You know what? It's a one in seven pattern, it's a creation ordinance. Don't ever stop it. You must do that because here's the deal God knows you're not quite the smartest critter around. And so he commanded you play that one in seven. Stop and remember who God is. And that's what we have to ask is who is God? But that question is really easy to answer tonight, especially you young folks here. Oh, yes, Jesus, he's my Savior. That's great. You're in church. Of course you're going to answer that, right? What about on Tuesday, on Wednesday, or for you adults? What about when, ah, there's not enough paycheck to make it through the month? Suddenly, the price of steak. Have you looked at it lately? It's crazy. I like steak. And all these things hit, and we're going, what? Or maybe it's a health issue or a family relationship issue. I mean, I have three parents out of four. Praise God, I still have four, you know, between in-laws and parents. I have four alive still, but three of them are in, you know, my dad just had surgery Wednesday. My mom goes in for surgery first week of October. And my mother-in-law is, doesn't know who she is anymore with dementia. And so all these things hit in life. And I know in your life we could go around the room and you have problems in life because you live in a fallen world. But praise God we have the gospel. And that's what we have to. And so we have to ask this question, who is God? Who is Jesus? And unfortunately for too many of us, there's a disconnect between when we're here and when we go out there, and that disconnect between who is God and what is Jesus. And so let's look at the narrative and see if we can get some answers about these questions, who is God, who is Jesus. And so in the narrative, Matthew has just shown us that they've had a tough day. If you look back, I think it's verse 14, uh, Jesus just healed uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law And then if you go to Mark's gospel, he pulls back the veil a little bit more. And Mark actually tells you, yeah, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then he spends the rest of the afternoon healing people. Y'all ever done intense ministry? Oh, Oh, yeah, that's right. You do grocery giveaway, right? Does that ever tire you out? So here's Jesus and the disciples, and they're whooped. They have had this long day of ministry. And everybody's probably ready to get away from the crowd. I like how Mark puts it. If you look at the parallel passage, which was Mark chapter 4, verse 35, he says it this way. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And I can just imagine Jesus after this day of ministry is just tired. We find him sleeping in a storm. So the dude is really tired. Jesus, the man, the human man, the fully God, but fully man, is exhausted. And he's able to sleep through a storm. And so they're at the Lake Galilee, or the Sea of Galilee, as they call it. Now that is known for violent storms. Why? Because it's a shallow lake. I did eight years in Buffalo, I served my penance up north. You know? And then God was fav- showed his favor and brought me back south. You know? But here's the deal. At Lake Erie, I went out a couple times with friends on boats. And boy, I tell you what, they had their ear on that weather radio because when a storm comes across Lake Erie, it's a shallow lake. As a great lake. Some of them are deep. Lake Erie's not. It's super shallow. And when a storm comes, it gets bad, and it gets bad real quick. That's what happened on the Sea of Galilee. It gets bad real quick. These are seasoned, professional fishermen who knew this and understood, and they could handle it. But things were out of hand. I like how Matthew puts it. And there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus was asleep. Whoa, 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 whoa. Boat's going down. We're going over. And Jesus is still sleeping. Seriously? The fishermen are getting panicked. You know things are bad when the professionals are getting panicked in the boat. And Jesus is what? Mark Matthew says, they went and they woke Jesus saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. This is one time where Mark actually pulls out, look at it. I love the words. Do you see what Mark says? Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Let me, let me give you the full version that you and I would have said there. Jesus, I know you healed people and you did all of these, but dude, you're sleeping and we're dying here. What's the problem? Why do you not care about me? Do you, do you not see all of this around us? Sound familiar? When have you had that complaint in the past week, month? Oh, you probably weren't in a boat. But was it your parent? Your child? Your finances? A family relationship? Someone who spoke poorly of you? What was it? And you were just like those disciples in the boat. Do you not care? Come on, God, I did this. I served in... I did children's church. Come on. I get like two free weeks of blessing, right? That's not the gospel. No. This is what the disciples are facing. This is the crisis that they're in at that moment. And see, I can identify with these guys because I lose sight real quick of Jesus. And that's what they lost sight of. And so... Think about what they're facing. They're facing frightening circumstances that are beyond their control, and they are unable to fix the problem. How many of you can solve all of your problems? You can't. But you know a sovereign God who can. And these are the worst kind of situations. And here, I'm going to really step on your toes. I hope you brought steel-toed boots tonight. You know what most of you do when you run into a situation like that where you don't know what to do and you know you're unable? Most people get angry and they get bitter and you bite and you snap at those around you, those you love. That's what we do. I can imagine those disciples in the boat. There's some unwritten words. You go wake him. I ain't going to wake him. If if you don't wake them, we're dead. I mean, you've done it to your wife, to your husband. When things get really bad, you start. That's what we do as humans. You're not weird or indifferent. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. Paul writes that in Corinthians 10.13. Amazing. You see, you're not weird. You're just a sinner. And you're short-sighted. And you need to remember who God is. Oh, yeah, the ultimate question again, huh? And more importantly, who Jesus is. Because Jesus is God. Paul got through this same problem. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul writes it this way. And you, I'm sure you're familiar with this. But, oh, good, we got it up here. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Uh-oh, something bad's coming. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Okay, real bad. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. It's getting worse. But then Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, after being taught by God, and he has the proper view of who God is. What did he say? But that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead, amen? See Paul got it, it took him a while and it took a couple four by fours across the head. Sometimes I think I need six by sixes because I'm so stubborn, but Paul got it. We are to rely on God, we're to have faith in God, we're to have trust in God. And because you know the gospel, you are accepted in the beloved, you're accepted in Jesus, don't forget that. You are loved by God. And so, here's the bottom line. I really feel for these poor guys in the boat, the disciples. They're bailing fast. They're looking at the circumstances around them and going, oh, no, what do we do? They're trying to make sure this boat doesn't go down. And they're thinking to themselves, how can he be sleeping at a time like this? There's even some of those disciples who are going, man, I left my family, I left my business, I sold all that. And, it, and, and Jesus doesn't even care about me right now. We're about ready to die. Have you ever turned to Jesus that way? You ever looked at God that way? I have. And I'm not proud of it. But it's the reality that we face in this world. Sometimes a storm seem to take us. I loved how Mark put it. Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Yes, he does. And they knew that. They had seen Jesus heal how many people earlier that day? Hundreds. They had seen Jesus raise people from the dead already. But they forgot. Now, if we were, you know, full technicolor, we'd do a Hollywood movie stop. You know in the movies how they change the scene and all that? What's happening in the heart of the disciples? I'd love to pull back that curtain and show you what's going on in the heart of the disciple, Because that's what happens in your heart and my heart when we encounter these kind of situations. What is it? What is in their heart? What defines their heart at that moment? Fear. I would submit to you that fear is a driving factor at that moment. They are interpreting life, and they are interpreting life through fear. And not a good fear. Fear is not always an evil thing, okay? However, I mean, I think back uh, two years ago, I put an extension on my house, a nice cream porch, and I was up shingling, and my wife was helping me, and you know, so it's eight, nine foot off the ground, and I'm putting shingles on, and my wife's like, Karen shingles up, you know? What an awesome blessing. And she goes to step off the ladder, and the ladder flipped. She fell. Hit the ground. <laughs> like, oh, no. I jumped off the roof out of fear. Fear was good that day because she didn't respond. Fortunately, the wind was knocked out of her. That was it. No other broken bones, no broken hip, no broken back. Praise God. But at that moment, what possessed me? Fear. We all have had that. We face that when we come to the trials of life, when we have the boat, and it seems like it's going down. And here's the thing. We need to use fear for the right reasons. It's an emotion given by God. And here's a bigger one. Fear is an interpretation of life. Okay? As you go through this world, fear is an interpretation of life. Paul Tripp, great biblical counselor, and he writes a lot of great books. I love how he puts it this way. He says, our fear is equal to our situation plus our self-ability plus God's ability. Do you see that equation? Now, here's the problem. Most of us look at our situation and our self-ability, and we stop right there. It's as simple as that. You see, we need to properly look at the full equation. Matthew's account tells us they were simply looking at the situation. Uh Uh-oh, we're going down. They were looking at their self-ability. Nada. None. They can't fix it. They're bailing as fast as they can and the boat's still going down. So what was left? They forgot about God's ability. They forgot who was with them. They forgot who was in the boat with them. You see, what defines your responses to life? Fear is an interpretation of life. And so, if you have peace, it's an interpretation of life. I look over this past year, and I know Rob has written the same thing and your leadership. You know, God's taken our churches through a lot of cool things. I really didn't choose to use that word, but <laughs> Rob can tell you. some someday I'm like, ah! But it's all good, isn't it, because our sovereign God has it, and he is using it to teach me, and he is shaping me, and he's conforming me more and more into the image of Christ, and that's what happens. You see, our problem is, is we take that formula up there, and we say our fear is equal to what we can see around us and my self-ability. And we leave God out of it. Now, what's the ultimate balancer in that equation? Amen. God's ability. And I'm going to speak bluntly. Young people, it's not this unknown, everybody gets God's favor. Those who are in the gospel get God's favor. Okay? I'm going to speak it true. in that, When you recognize that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he took all of God's wrath for your sin upon himself, he was crucified, he was buried, and raised again on the third day, and you believe that, then you have God's favor. Praise God. And so it's not this thing that so often in the American media of today, it's like, oh, well, I believe God. They believe a little g-god often. Not the Jesus Christ of the gospel, the Jesus Christ of the scripture. You see, that is where our hope lies. Look at Christ's response to his disciples. First, he turns to him and he goes, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Why are you so full of dread? You see, they still didn't get who Jesus was. The man sleeping on the cushions in the back was the creator. He was the ruler of all things. They were full of dread. Why? Because they looked at the equation and they left God out of it. They looked at their circumstances. They looked at their inability. They had rewritten the equation of life. And then the interesting thing, look at 26B. Jesus arose after they woke up. He rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. I love how Mark puts it. Mark does a really good job on this one. He actually pulls what Jesus said. And Mark literally says, if you go to the Greek, and he says, be quiet, you've been muzzled to the storm. And then it was just, waves are like, they're done. And it's calm. And, And what was their response? Matthew says they marveled. You think? Yeah, they got it. And here's what Matthew and Mark and the other gospel writers are showing us that Jesus is the Lord of creation. He's the creator. He's Lord over everything. He is sovereign over everything. And so how foolish our fears are when we look at our circumstances and think, well, God, maybe you really don't love me. Now, as Paul said, that we might learn to rely on God. He permits these things. Yeah, that's hard to say, isn't it? Who knows? There's a hurricane forming. Will it come through here and we'll have another Hugo? Any of y'all here during Hugo? He might. And we will have the grace to deal with it, won't we? And it's not because he doesn't love us or he's forgotten us. No, God is sovereign and he will use whatever means to allow us to rest in him. And that's what Matthew shows is that they marveled at Jesus. I like how Mark says in 4.41, he says, They were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, What kind of man is this? They're Finally, it's dawning on them what's happening. They are figuring it out. Now, let's circle in for the application. What about you when you face life? Because all of you face life. What do you do? Do you believe that God is indeed great? And that you don't have to be in control. Or do you try and get yourself in control all the time? Do you believe that God is good and you don't have to keep looking elsewhere for satisfaction? Guys? Porn become an issue? that you keep looking elsewhere instead of believing that God is actually good? And we could go on and on. Maybe you have a shopping problem. And you forget that God is good and you just go shopping instead. You see... Do you believe God is glorious and you don't have to fear circumstances around you or other people? These are the way we come back and remember who God is. And so we need to know God's word. You should have the fear of the Lord from the get-go. Scripture is very clear. Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding his praise endures forever. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Do you see a theme here? The fear of the Lord is what we need to have as a proper fear of who God is. Know God's Word, read God's Word, and learn that He is indeed the Creator. But he's also the redeemer. And if you know Jesus through the gospel, then you have been redeemed and you have nothing to fear. I love in the book of Acts, it describes the early church and they were under great persecution. And you think we have problems? You know, our church, we're like, can we ever get a permit? And it takes a year to get a permit? No, the church of Acts, they were getting to be torches in the emperor's garden at night. That's a little bit more serious persecution. That was the church of Acts. And I love how the author of Scripture puts it this way, Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So here's the exhortation to you as a body, Hope Church. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Remember who God is. And that goes without saying, remember the gospel. Remember that you are accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ when you have faith in him. It's not going to be your techniques or your marketing plan or anything else that's going to grow your church. It's going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, secondly, they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I think that's heavily with the preaching of the word that the Spirit speaks to us through God's Word. That's how He speaks to us today. The preached Word, when it's brought forth. And so study it, talk about it. I love hearing, you know, the middle schoolers went out and they're discussing what we covered earlier. Yeah, that's applying the Word and asking why. And then the last thing is, is walk in the fear of the Lord. Just think of those guys on the boat on that dreadful jet day. One of those guys was John. Remember the Apostle John? He writes in 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. This boy could write those words. Why? Because he had been in a really tough situation. And he had seen Jesus. And then he goes on, there's no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the truth that I'm accepted in Jesus. That's how I know perfect love from God. 1 John 3.16. Not the football game verse, but 1 John. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Do you know that you're loved by God that way? You believe that Jesus laid down his life for you, and he was raised for your righteousness. Then live in that. That's the love of God that you have And you don't have to walk in fear anymore, do you? And so hope, church, as you go forward, you're going to have all kinds of crazy stuff happening. That's good. I think it's what Paul said. So you might learn to rely on God. Not on Rob's skill or Will's skill or Derek's skill or whoever's. They're mere men. They're flawed. But that you might walk in faith in what Christ has done. And then as you walk with the neighbors and the friends and co-workers, you keep sharing that news of the gospel. Why are you so cool when this is happening? Let me tell you about my Jesus. That's how it happens. That's how we share one person at a time. So, remember, you're just like the disciples in the boat. You don't have an ability to calm the storms. They're coming. But you know Jesus. Turn to him. Walk in fear of Him and walk in the hope that He loves you and He will care for you richly. So let's just keep sharing the good news of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Father, you're awesome. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the words that you have penned for us. And we ask that you will guide and direct each of us as we move forward in the hope and the power of the gospel. Lord, we... Ask that your hand to be upon Hope Church, upon Oak Brook Church, upon Trident. Keep your hand upon us as we preach and teach the gospel so that others will see that we rest in Jesus. We pray all these things in your Son's glorious name. Amen.